Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Studio DNA fans. I'm Chad, a new podcast host here on the network. I'd like to invite you to check out my new show called Hot Takeout, where I mix together some of my favorite things, fast food and musical artists. When you listen, you'll get that feeling you have when you get an onion ring in the bottom of your french fries. It's a win. We'll dig deep with the artists. We'll find out what inspires them and what foods they have to stay away from. And we're also playing fast food games, which will also make sense when you listen. So check out the Hot Takeout podcast streaming right now here on the Studio DNA podcast network do you like sports because we like sports let's talk about sports it's sports yeah sports yeah it's sports yeah episode 196 of sports yak has now begun oh it's the bullet joe bush episode bullet joe bush 196 wins for the big leaguer who Helped win the World Series for the Philadelphia A's back in 1913. Had some really good years with the Yankees in the early 20s. Won 26 games in 1922. 196 in his career. The pride of Brainerd, Minnesota. It's Bullet Joe Bush. I'm guessing they called him Bullet because he could pitch fast. He could throw that ball. (laughs) He could throw that speed ball by and make it look like a fool. Family Broadcasting Corporation. in association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network, presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. It's all the way! It is! It's good! Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, this one will be relived, Chuck Freebie. Forever! So let's start right at the top with Notre Dame men's basketball. Big win last night. They hit 14 three-pointers, beat a fairly bad Miami team, 87-71. Once again, this is not one of those wins that's going to vault Notre Dame into the NCAA bubble conversation, but it's a win that's necessary if they're going to have hopes of eventually being in that conversation. They now have two big road games. Boston College on Wednesday, Wake on Saturday. And if they can get through those, then they've got 
their opportunity when Florida State comes to town next Wednesday. But they've got to win these road games, Corey. Uh, if they can't beat teams like Boston College and Wake Forest on the road, quite frankly, they probably don't deserve to be in the NCAA tournament. Two games at Purcell Pavilion yesterday. Yeah, the Notre Dame women got a victory yesterday, 72-70. My, uh, my mother's a season ticket holder, and she texts me after the first quarter, where's this team been all year? Because the Irish are up 27-11. to And I guess I should have been more uh, supportive and like, yeah. And I just said, give it time. Because... Unfortunately, um, and and this has been the issue all season long with this team, they have such little depth that by the time they get to the fourth quarter, they tire out. And sure enough, that 16-point lead got down to two, but the Irish hang on for dear life and get a win, 72-70. Michaela Vaughn developing as a player. She had 21. Um the team is developing, and, and they're better now than they were at the beginning of the year, but it's just been a long season for Muffet Squad. They play their home finale Thursday night on Pulse FM against North Carolina. I saw Archie Miller punch a clipboard over the weekend. Well, uh, Archie Miller, man, his team, um, somebody had a line on Twitter over the weekend that said they're like the weather in Indiana. Give them a few minutes and it's going to change. And that's the way that game with Penn State was yesterday for Indiana. Hoosiers get off to a great start. They're hitting everything they throw up against Penn State. They build a 16-point halftime lead. And I turn around, or maybe it's an 11-point halftime lead. 11-point halftime lead. It's double digits. And I turn around at one point, look in the second half, and they're down by six. And I thought, oh, boy, what a collapse this is. This is going to be brutal for the Hoosier faithful. But they get their act together, and they regroup, and they come back, and they get a nice solid 68-60 win over Penn State, a Penn State team that was ranked number 9 early last week. Now, they lost two games last week to Illinois and Indiana, so they're going to tumble when the new top 25 comes out today. But the good news for the Hoosiers, they're 18-9, and they're 8-8 eight and eight in the Big Ten, and I believe they have now five wins over ranked teams this year. So if I'm an IU fan, I feel fairly confident that my team is going to be in the NCAA tournament. And in fact, when I looked at the Big Ten standings this morning, Corey, I think there's probably 10 teams from the Big Ten that get into the NCAA tournament this year Mm -hmm. out of the 14 that they have. Purdue's not one of those teams. Purdue is sitting right at the 500 mark right now overall. Sub-500 record in the league. Uh, They need some wins just to make sure that they're going to go somewhere in the postseason. They'd love to get one Thursday night at Mackey Arena when the Hoosiers come calling. And let's face it, Matt Painter has gotten the better of Archie Miller in the history of the series. I I don't think Archie has beaten Purdue yet. So... We'll see what happens Thursday night at Mackey. But the good news for the Hoosiers is I think they've stockpiled enough in their resume that unless they have a total collapse here down the stretch, they're getting in. So is it going to be one of life's great mysteries that we don't understand why in the Big Ten there's 14 teams? Yeah. Yeah, because, well, from a branding situation, they're not going to call it the Big 14. 
It's just not going to happen. You can't put four of those teams somewhere else and well, go, sorry, you've... I'm sorry, four of those teams should be somewhere else. Which four? I would take... Well, Maryland and Rutgers do not belong in the Big Ten. Those two should be in other leagues. Rutgers should be in the Big East like they used to be. Maryland should be in the Atlantic Coast Conference like they used to be. Um, I'm not sure Northwestern over the years, even though it's a one of the charter members of the Big Ten, I'm not sure Northwestern's play over the years has merited being in a big-time conference. Uh, so you could exclude them as far as I'm concerned. And Penn State doesn't really fit into the Big Ten either, geographically. They're way out east. Put them into the Big East. Okay. Uh, one more Indiana team playing yesterday, Butler. Boy, the Bulldogs. They got off that great start. I think they got as high as number five in the rankings at one point. They were 21 going into yesterday, but they had to go on the road to Creighton, which is ranked number 15. And, folks, it is a good year in the Big East. You've got some good teams in the Big East this year, like Seton Hall and Creighton. And Butler has not been able to get over the top on those teams. And yesterday, they just got blown out in Omaha, 81-59. to Not a really good representation for Laval Jordan's team. So this Butler team, which at one time looked like a number 4 seed for the NCAA tournament, they'll still be in the NCAA tournament. But right now, I'd say they're more like a 7 seed. We are going to let Chuck just dissect Selection Sunday, but let's get this NBA stuff out of the way before we do that. Well, Bradley Beal, what a game he had for the Washington Wizards yesterday. He drops 53, and somehow the Wizards still lose to the Bulls, which shows you how bad the Wizards must be because the Bulls aren't any stinking good. And Kobe White scored 33, and the Bulls win that one by a count of 126-117. But don't worry, they're not going anywhere. Pistons aren't going anywhere either. They let C.J. McCollum score 41 last night, and the Trailblazers beat Detroit 107-104. The one area team that will make the playoffs are the Pacers. They did not look like a playoff team last night in Toronto. They looked completely and utterly disinterested in the trip to Canada as they lose to the Raptors 127-81. I mean... Just maybe one, maybe their worst performance of the year. So this Indiana team that you know Victor Oladipo's back. Hey, we're contending for a playoff berth. Not so much. And I had higher hopes for the Pacers than this. And I'm not just basing it on one game, but just kind of basing it on their overall standing in the East. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not sure that they're as good as I thought they would be. They've got some talent. They've got. Oladipo, they've got Demondis Saponis, they've got T.J. Warren, but compared to some of the other teams in the East, when you look at Milwaukee, you look at Boston, you look at Philadelphia, I don't think the Pacers are quite in that in that level. Before we uh, let you dissect what happened yesterday, and I'd, I'd love your overall opinion of the draw for itself, mm-hmm. but just a glimpse on Friday and Saturday night, you did a lot of basketball over the weekend. Yeah, we did. Uh, We had the game with Adams and Riley on Friday night. I didn't think Adams played particularly well, uh, but they walked out of there with about a five-point win over Riley. They did a very good job, I thought, on Riley's top scorer, Blake Wesley. He was only able to score 20 points in that game. 
And so the Eagles, uh, a couple of stats from that game. First of all, Chad Johnston, their head coach, who was at Washington for about 15 years before he took the Adams job, he is now third among South Bend Community School Corporation boys basketball coaches in career wins. Uh, Mark Johnson, who's now at St. Joe, has the number one spot. He coached at LaSalle and Riley. Then Dave Hadaway, who was a legendary figure at Adams, the gym there is named after him, Hadaway Shack. He's number two. And Chad Johnston now tied for third with the longtime Riley coach, Bob Berger. So Chad has done a remarkable job in his 18 years as a coach in South Bend. He's a, he's a man who really cares about the kids who play for him. Uh, he's really interested in trying to get especially these juniors, and his team is his starting five is all juniors. And he's really interested in trying to get them into colleges so that they can better their life and, and make a living. And um, we'll see how, how effective he is in doing that. But I, I'm just really impressed with the man that he is. He he grew up going to Clay, played for Tom DeBates, went to Bethel, played for Mike Lightfoot, and credits both of them with being strong influences on his coaching career so Adams again didn't play their best game but but came out of there with a win then on Saturday we went over to Laporte and did the semi-states congratulations to Adam Yoder and the Black Swish of Northwood they will play in the state finals Saturday night at six on TV 46 against Salem they absolutely smothered Benton Central defensively. This was a Benton Central team, Corey, that averaged 64 points a game coming in. They beat them 36-22. to 22. And Benton Central was sitting at 18 well into the fourth quarter before they got a couple of baskets when the thing was pretty well decided. Just an absolute great coaching job by Adam Yoder, Corey Duncan, Gene Zerker and the staff over there at Northwood. So they're down in Indianapolis this morning meeting the media down there, and then they'll come back and uh, we'll have our turn with them today, this afternoon at the gym, as they get ready for a Salem team that made the semi-state last year. Salem, another high-scoring team, this one from southern Indiana. I think Salem has played a better schedule than Benton Central did, so I think they'll be a little bit better prepared for a team like Northwood. But we'll see what happens uh, this Saturday night. Very excited for Northwood. This is their first trip to the state finals in 21 years. Banker's Life? Banker's Life Fieldhouse. Uh, what a moment for those young ladies. Kate Ruley and Maddie Payne, their two post players, both 6'1", do a terrific job on the inside. How do you prepare a student-athlete to play in that kind of environment, walking into a an arena that big? You know, what's what would be your take on that? I'd show them the scene from the movie Hoosiers. With the measuring tape? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they used to play the state finals at Hinkle Fieldhouse in Butler, and so that's where that scene was filmed. But it, it's it's no different at Banker's Life. Yes, it is, a, it is a wide environment, and the fans are not on top of you like they are in most high school gyms. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing to adjust to is the background. And they'll go down there, and I, I think they get a chance to practice down there or have a shoot-around down there at some point. Um, so they have that opportunity to go in there and see it beforehand. And I think that's important 
to kind of get that wide-eyedness out of the way. Yeah. Obviously, nothing quite prepares you for stepping onto a floor with the biggest crowd you've ever seen um, in, in the brightest environment you've ever seen. But you would hope that as the tournament has gone along and you've gone through each stage, I mean, they played in front of a crowd of about 3,000 on Saturday. Yeah, your Laporta audience looked good. Yeah. Real so, good. okay. You you hope, but nothing really prepares you for it other than just going out there and realizing this is a basketball game. This this isn't anything more than something that you've done, you know, 30 times here during the season. It's just in a little different environment. The second game from Saturday? Second game from Saturday, the Northwestern Tigers, ranked number 1 in the state of Indiana, an undefeated Got a good challenge from a Penn team. Penn's within four with four minutes to play, uh, but just couldn't get over the hump. Madison Layden and Kendall Bostick, their two Division One players for Northwestern, carried the day for the Tigers, and Kathy Layden's team advances with a 56-46 win. The 56 points represents the most points scored against Penn in the last four years. Hmm. So this was a Northwestern offense that was able to get the job done Penn got into some foul trouble early in the game, and it it cost them a little bit. And Penn just couldn't finish on some key shots down the stretch that they had. They had opportunities to stay close, and they couldn't get stops on Northwestern. Northwestern's bigs, particularly Bostic in the fourth quarter, did a terrific job. But it shouldn't take away from the job that Christy Kaneski-Ulrich and her staff did over at Penn. They finished the year 27-3. and And they've got a lot of talent coming back next year. They've got Trinity Clinton, the two-time NIC MVP. She'll be back. Caitlin Costner, Jordan Smith, Jada Patton. So they've no need to shed any tears for the Kingsmen. Uh, The cupboard is hardly bare over there on Bittersweet Road. Your overall opinion of Selection Sunday once the dust settled? Well, the people that say that Indiana should have a seeded tournament, and and let me just add this, it's not going to happen. But those who say that the tournament should be seeded have plenty of ammunition after the way the draws went yesterday. Let's start in Class 4A. That's the biggest class. And we'll look at the tournament over at Laporte that has a lot of our local teams in it. Plymouth is the worst team in that field in terms of record. And quite frankly, I think in terms of season, there's no question that Plymouth has not had the caliber of season of any of the six other teams in that field. And yet Plymouth wound up getting the bye. And, you know, it kind of makes the regular season seem a little bit moot that the Pilgrims are in the semifinals of the sectional automatically. Culver Academy would be the favorite in that sectional. They move up from 3A to 4A this time for the first time. They'll play Riley in the Tuesday opener. These two teams played in the regular season. Uh, Culver Academy struggled stopping Blake Wesley. I think they have some different ideas of what they would do against Wesley this time. We'll see if they work. Michigan City plays Laporte on Wednesday. That's a huge rivalry over there. Michigan City won by three in the regular season, but Laporte's healthier now than they've been in a while. Kyle Benj's squad may be able to pull off the upset in that one. Then you got Adams and Mishawaka. I think a lot of people are anticipating the possibility of a Culver Academy-Adams matchup in the finals, and that would be a fun matchup to watch, but it's far from a guarantee. 
over at Northside Gym. Again, uh, you look at this draw. Elkhart Memorial gets the bye. Northridge is the favorite in this tournament, and Northridge draws a one-win Concord team in the first round. So you would expect the Raiders and Memorial to be a Friday night matchup at Northside Gym. That would be a that would be a pretty fun matchup to watch. Those two played a dandy game the regular season. The bottom four at the Elkhart Central sectional, you can pick. It's guessing. It's guessing as to which teams will show up on a given night. Penn plays Central. Well, Elkhart Central's not having a good season, but they went over to Penn and beat Penn earlier this year. Then you've got uh, Goshen and Warsaw. Warsaw blew out Goshen earlier this season, but Warsaw really struggled the other night against a really good Carmel team, and Goshen's been up and down. It's hard to say what will happen in the lower bracket there, but the Northridge Memorial matchup would be worth watching. Let's move into 3A now. The Jimtown sectional has five of the six teams in the Jimtown sectional have 14 wins or more. So the bye was very important here. And we have the same situation that I just described at LaPorte. The worst team in the sectional got one of the byes, and that's South Bend Clay. And Clay will play the winner of the Glenn-Jimtown game. Those two teams played in the regular season. Glenn won by four, but I believe that game was at John Glenn. This game will be at Jimtown. Upper half of the bracket is just, wow. You've got Marion and Washington play in the regular season finale Friday night on 46. Then they turn around and play in the first game of the sectional on Tuesday night. So, of course, what I'm wondering as we prepare for this game, how much do the coaches hold back so that they don't show all their cards? Because the Friday night game, doesn't matter is meaningless okay the tuesday night game that's where it all comes it all comes down okay so you got marion and washington and then the winner of that here's your prize for winning that game oh you play saint joe and they're ranked in the top 10 so could be a could be a marion saint joe semifinal could be a washington saint joe semifinal saint joe lost to both those teams this year by the way um over at northwood Northwood is the prohibitive favorite in a five-team sectional. How they got a five-team sectional on their home floor, I don't know. Um, But they'll take on an Athletic West Noble team in the first Friday night game. Wawasee would play the winner of Tippy Valley in Lakeland. Uh, 2A, there's another meat grinder of a sectional here, and that's at Westview, Corey. Opening, you have four teams in this sectional with 16 wins or more. The team, in my opinion, that got the best draw was Central Noble. They're sitting on the bottom side of the bracket with Bremen, Fairfield, and Eastside. None of those teams are those 16-win teams. So on the top half of the bracket, you've got three teams with 16 wins or more. Westview has to open up against Prairie Heights, who they split with during the regular season. If they get past Prairie Heights, they have to face Churubusco, which has the best offense of any team in the area. And then if you get past that, you'd probably have to play Central Noble in the finals. What a road Rob Yoder and the Warriors have to navigate if they're going to get a sectional title. Uh, We'll break down one more sectional in 2A, and that's the sectional at North Judson. Uh, This is a fairly balanced sectional. LaVille, I think, is a mild favorite in this one, although they'd have to face an improving Westville team in a Friday night semifinal. And then at the other half of the bracket, you've got teams like 
North Judson and Hebron, who've had fairly nice seasons and are dangerous teams. And then in 1A, uh, the Triton sectional is a six-team sectional. Triton and Argus would be the co-favorites. They're on opposite sides of the bracket. So that one came out fairly balanced. And maybe this is the year for Elkhart Christian to get a sectional title. They're in a five-team field over at Fremont. They've got the weakest team in the field on Friday night against Hamilton. And uh, then they would play probably Lakewood Park in the sectional final. So those those are my analyses of the tournament. But for those people who think that the regular season should mean something and that they should seed the tournament, and again, I'm telling you, this isn't going to happen because let's say you have any any seeding proposal would have to be approved by the Indiana Basketball Coaches Association. And the Coaches Association, you know, all these guys are looking out for their own best interest. And they're sitting there saying, well, at least with a blind draw, if I have a subpar team, maybe a blind draw gives me a route to get to the finals. Mm-hmm. Where if the tournament is seeded, I'm going to have to face one of the two best teams somewhere in the semifinals, and that's not going to bode well for me. So I don't see any way these the coaches' association will ever approve a seeding process. But if you had a seeding process, you'd have some of these tournaments um, with much different draws than what we saw yesterday. I do want to touch on one sectional that's out of the area, and that is the sectional at Lawrence Central. That's down in the Indianapolis area. Lawrence North and Lawrence Central, I believe, are ranked number two and number three in the state of Indiana. They'll play in the opening round of the tournament. Wow. This sectional is absolutely loaded with teams. So Lawrence North is 21 and 1, Lawrence Central is 21 and 2. Oh boy. They play in the opening game of the tournament. The other records of the teams down there, you have Warren Central who's 15 and 5. They got the best draw of anybody. Indianapolis Addicts 18 and 4 plays Indianapolis Cathedral 17 and 5 in their opening game. And then you've got a 12 and 8 North Central team and a 9 and 11 Arsenal Tech team. That that's a loaded sectional right there, and uh, so you'll do which game this Friday? This Friday we'll do the regular season finale between Marion and Washington. Okay, and then and we had scheduled that well before the draw came out, so we'll do that game and then we'll see what happens. And uh, after we're done with the yak, I have discussions with people and we kind of plan out our tourney trail so by the time we reconvene on wednesday we'll be able to talk about what we think we'll be doing for the tournament i saw a tweet over the weekend uh who's who's that lady you like down south that calls the games rita price what would it take for you and her to do a game together uh i'd love to do it i'd be i'd be honored to do the game with rita and you know, Rita does play-by-play for basketball, and I, I'd happily just fill in as the color man. we got to figure out how to make that happen. Well, I want to be fair to her partner, Tim Kefaber, too, because Tim does a terrific job on the games as well. And while Rita gets much of the attention, and deservedly so, she's a pioneer and she's a Hall of Famer, Tim does a marvelous job calling games, too. He's their football play-by-play guy. Rita wants nothing to do with football play-by-play. She does color on those. And then Tim and Rita kind of 
take turns on the basketball a little bit, but I have such admiration for her and her career being a pioneer, being the first woman in the Indiana Sportscasters Sports Writers Hall of Fame. Um, every time I see her, I want to get my picture taken with her because yeah, she just and uh, there's there's a nice article today if you go to Ink Free News, and I'll retweet it here in a little bit on the Twitter machine. Uh, about Rita and Tim and and the friendship that they formed and the on-air chemistry that they have. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hockey news, Dallas beats the Blackhawks 2-1. Blackhawks are just yeah. such a disappointment. Hey, I, I, while we're on the high school subject, let's talk about uh, the wrestling state finals for a moment here. Uh, congratulations to Joe Walker, 182-pound champion out of Mishawaka, he beat Jake Lone from Northwood in the state finals, so we had two local kids in the state finals. Wow. Uh, I was able to, through the YouTube TV, find Fox Sports Indiana and watch a couple of matches from the state finals. I didn't dare watch more than a couple because Diane cannot stand wrestling. She just... Because uh, does she consider it violent or it's just not her boat? It's just not her boat. Okay. And so she's like, why are we watching this? And I reminded her that i'm a local sportscaster and she just rolled her eyes because it's like you've done enough today you don't need to do this two local guys though that's pretty two local guys and uh walker's just he's headed to the university of michigan he's a terrific wrestler jake lone had a, a great run through the tournament he had three pins to get through the state to get from the final 16 up to the final two was that in Indianapolis? Uh, it was in Indianapolis. They do that at Banker's Life. There's a big oh, spotlight yes. that shines down. It's yeah. it's a great scene. It really is. And congratulations to Joe Walker, state champ. And then the 195-pound match. A young man by the name of Jake LaPlace from Mishawaka finishes as the runner-up. Uh, his only loss happened in the state championship match. He ran into a kid by the name of Silas Allred who pinned every one of his opponents at the state finals. And that doesn't happen very often. But this kid, he's going to Nebraska to wrestle. He is a machine and a technician. And he got an arm bar hold on Jake LaPlace and was able to just kind of flip him over onto his shoulders. And he makes it look he makes it look effortless. You know it's not. But man, oh man, is this kid terrific. But congratulations to Jake LaPlace on a great career at Mishawaka. Good day for the Cavemen. Get a state champion, state runner-up. And congratulations to Jake Lone from Northwood. We featured him last week on Twitter. He had a marvelous season at Northwood as well. Can we get a Ryan Newman update? So Ryan Newman uh, releases a statement through a spokesman yesterday, uh, basically saying he's still being treated for a head injury. Uh, He wasn't specific. I would assume that it's a concussion of some sort, which should not be surprising considering the violence that that car uh, flipped with and how hard he got smacked while he was upside down on the driver's side. So Newman did not race yesterday at Las Vegas. It snapped a string of 643 consecutive starts that he had had on the NASCAR circuit. I think NASCAR averages... 40 races a year. So 643, that's 16 straight seasons that he hasn't missed a race. I mean, that's that's pretty reliable and pretty durable on his part. Mm. 
So the fact that he missed a race yesterday, I know was eating at him. He does want to get back behind the wheel. Uh, he says, I'm a race car driver. That's what I do. And he's itching to get back, but the doctors right now say he's not ready. And there's no timetable set as to when he will be ready. Joey Logano, by the way, got the win yesterday at Las Vegas. Have you ever had to admit to the kids you made a mistake or you were wrong? Oh, yeah. Like in a big way? Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah. Mm-hmm. We watched a little bit of uh, sports news yesterday, and there was some Astros talk. And my son was watching, and I just had this moment of, Imagine being a player having to tell your son or daughter, this is what I did, and fill in the blank. Right. Ugh. No, but they should be embarrassed. Yeah. I mean. The ripple effect of your actions. Exactly. This thing goes on and on. And this is why so many other players in Major League Baseball are upset, because the ripple effect of their actions really go deep whether it's Aaron Judge feeling like well he was robbed of a World Series opportunity in 2017 because of the cheating was going on or how about maybe a guy that is fighting to have a roster spot and he has a bad day against the Astros in Houston because they know everything that's coming and his bosses don't know that that's why he had a bad day so they send him down and maybe he never gets back to the big leagues again Spring training. Dodgers beat the Cubs 4-2. White Sox win their opener 7-2. Tigers win a pair 5-1 over Atlanta, 8-4 over Pittsburgh. A lot of optimism in the White Sox camp. They feel like they're they're into something good right now. And, of course, they've got a much more formidable lineup than they had last year. I think Rick Renneria's team will be able to score some runs this year. But a lot of optimism in that camp. Uh, in the Cubs camp, um, you know, part of the problem with the Cubs right now is not just uh, their personnel, which I think is a problem, especially their starting pitching is, I think, highly questionable, uh, but the whole marquee network and just not being able to get picked up by channels. Um, Did you see that random Bill Murray video? No. It made no sense. It was him in Chicago on a cold night just talking about well, we got this new thing. The name's not that great. I wouldn't have picked that. but And then he says who kind of the anchors are and go Cubs. And then- yeah, I'm sure they were trying to get, you know, a, a start off with a big, no pun intended, marquee name yeah. in Bill Murray. But th- I'm not sure this whole thing has really been thought through very well by whoever's in charge of it for the Ricketts family. That's a bummer. So... And we'll we'll see as things come down to the wire here. People aren't as intent on watching their spring training games. They like to do it. But if you don't see spring training games, that's okay. But once the season starts. Come April 1st. If that thing's not on marquee, if that thing's not on Comcast, or if that thing's, uh, I guess, DirecTV now has it as a premium channel, so you have to pay extra for it, I think some people are really going to have some issues. Where do I hear it on the radio? 670, the score is the voice of the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. We've run our playlist, Chuck Freebie. Anything happen over the weekend in pop culture? I uh, wanted to like 
Al Pacino and the Hunters. Mm-hmm. It's based on true events. I'd like to know how true they were because whoever's making this show is taking much creative freedom. It's the guy that made Get Out and Us, uh, Jordan Peele, Key and Peele. Oh, okay. He's got himself like a horror side that he oh. likes to uh, fan the flame. I like the premise, but it I mean, it's so far out in left field. I made it to episode three, and I was kind of like, ah. It's okay. I'm not going to like every show. Yeah. I wanted to, Chuck. Well, I obviously you were interested in it. It's yeah. a topic that interests you. Um, the best thing I saw on TV over the weekend was, um, and it's it's not brand new by any sense of the imagination. If you're if you're a comedy fan, mm-hmm. comedians in cars getting coffee is a great series on Netflix. Yes, it is. Started off on Crackle, moved over to Netflix. Now I will tell you, Jerry Seinfeld doesn't always hit a home run with his guests. I thought the John Mulaney episode was, and and I like John, John Mulaney. John's an acquired taste but, too. But the episode with him was dull and dry, and I shut it off midway through. And these episodes are only eighteen minutes. Right. Martin Short and Jerry Seinfeld is pure gold. Is it? Oh my goodness. Okay. It is laugh out loud multiple times funny okay i'll take you up on that uh you know what i did watch finally for the first time that uh i'd love to sit down with one of these actual people is the imagineering story disney imagineers oh, okay. okay just the people behind building and creating and innovating all that yeah, stuff. what a mind you have to have to make that stuff happen holy wow it was it was good it's a five-part uh documentary that's a good one on disney plus if you have it okay it's a good watch they are they are all so far ahead of the game and watching that now because some of it we've we've seen for ourselves obviously but just i want to make a room where presidents talk to you i want to make this or i want to take the classic ride and update it to the kids for today but still having the essence of the classic just watching them maneuver all that stuff it's it's fascinating and Disney gives people an outlet to do that. Yes, they do. An Imagineer. Can you imagine ha- imagine having that title? Imagineer. Or Imagine Dragon. You're a broadcastineer. <laughs> well, I broadcast in people's ears. You're That's right. That's right. Thanks for listening. Hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. We are sneaking up on 200, Chuck Freeman. Had some people tell me last week, first time they'd listened to the yak. They enjoyed it. Thought it. Thought it was good? Well, share it with a friend. Subscribe so you never miss an episode. You know, and you can follow us. Uh, he's at my name is Corey on the Twitter machine. I'm at 46 Sports if you like uh, the sports, which you probably do if you're listening to this show. Mm-hmm. We like the sports. I like that. I'm going to use that for a line. There you go. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga Luga Bullet Joe Bush. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we got to run. It's Sport Check. Sport Check. Sport Check is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. You've been listening to Sports Yak with Chuck Freebie and Corey Mann as himself. Produced by Corey Mann. The Sports Yak theme song by Rhett Walker. Production elements and voiceovers by audiblegenesis.com. At the buzzer, yes!
Engineered by Phil Souza. Executive producer is Danae Hughes in partnership with the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Interested in your own podcast? Contact Danae at Danae at StudioDNA.media. Sports Yak Archives available on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.